Here we go. Money conversations in early stages of relationships are difficult. I compromise all the time. We face harder choices. We got the house. No, my mother said, when you get older, I wish you'd hurry to get older so that you would settle down and marry a rich man. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. Hello and welcome to another episode of Meet, Pay, Love, a podcast where we talk all things money and relationships. My name's Carmel and as always, I'm joined with my sister, Zoe. Hello, Carmel. We'd like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land in which we are recording and listening to this podcast on today. We pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. So what have we got for them today? Well, today we're doing an episode on gambling. So we wanted to do an episode on gambling because once again, it's hard to have a podcast about all things relationships and money without talking about gambling at all. And so this one here is basically just about things like what are the trends around Australians and young people and gambling? How does gambling impact romantic relationships? And what can you do if you suspect that your partner has a gambling problem? And then I also delved into questions like what is your opinion and what is Tony's thoughts on the idea that investing in the stock market is a form of gambling and when does it cross that line into investing into gambling? Yeah, well, I think I think we got to do a trigger warning on this episode because we do talk about gambling and investment as a form of gambling. And so if anyone has experienced that in, that li- in their lives and this might bring up some unwanted feelings for them, please feel free to skip this episode. It's It might not be for you. Because the thing is, according to savings.com.au, there are about 6.8 million regular gamblers in Australia. So that's 39% of the population. And that's regular gamblers because I would consider myself to be not a regular gambler, but I'm definitely not completely anti-gambling. So if I, you know, occasionally, like I bet on the US election just for a bit of fun. Did you get it right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) But that was my only bet for probably the last 18 months. So I'll have a little bet every now and then. Pete, my partner, never, never bets really, to be honest. He might bet at the horse races, but we've only been to the horse races together once or twice. Um, So... Yeah. What about you? I don't bet. More just because I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the knowledge. (laughs) I don't want to put money down on something I don't know. So I don't have the knowledge and I don't have the patience to figure it out. But um, yeah, Oli does do a little bit of betting, but he is very knowledgeable in a lot of subjects. So he loves doing basketball betting, sometimes the horses. I don't really know what he does. Sometimes he just comes home with a little bit of extra money and I tell him to buy me something pretty. <laughs> but the thing about gambling is it doesn't really matter how much knowledge you have. It's still a gamble. Isn't that right? I think there are some educated guesses though. Yeah. Do you think generally he's up or generally he's down or generally it balances out? He doesn't do it often. Let me preface this conversation with saying that he doesn't really do it often sometimes he will when he's with his friends and he just like they're just having a bit of fun yeah but yeah he'll bet on like a player's stats for the game because he knows that player quite well and he knows what his stats were from the last couple of games and so while it's still a gamble he's done an educated guess and I guess it's no surprise really that from the four of us the little straw poll that we've just done me you pete and ollie that ollie is the gambler amongst us because according to savings.com.au again males are overrepresented amongst gamblers so 54 percent of all gamblers are male which i thought it would be higher but 54 percent, i guess and then 
46% but of women. I, th- I honestly thought males would be much higher, but... No, I think uh, I know quite a few girls who love a good punt. But I must preface this, like, as well, gambling is such a negative connotation on the word. Um, and so I don't want to call Ollie a gambler because he's not really. <laughs> but like, Sorry, but he is a gambler. Like, he gambles. Sometimes, not all the time, though. He's not, like, a gambler. He doesn't have a gambling problem. Yeah, he dabbles in gambling. <laughs> and this is the shocking statistic, but on average, men and women over 18 in Australia are losing approximately 1260 per year just on gambling, the average gambler. As I said, we're really lucky and excited to have on the show as our expert for the gambling episode, Tony Clarkson, his principal clinical advisor at the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. He was also a therapeutic counselor for many years. You can find him on YouTube if you want to hear more about him. And you can also go to Gamblers Help, the Victorian Gambling Responsible Gambling Foundation's website as well. So now we'll cut to that interview with Tony. So today we have Tony Clarkson from the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. Thank you so much, Tony, from coming on the show. Perhaps if we can start off, if you could just explain a little bit about who you are, how you found yourself at the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation, and what do you do? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Carmel. So I um, I work at the foundation as uh, the principal clinical advisor, um, which basically means that I provide advice on treatment and support for gambling issues. Um, the foundation funds gambling uh, treatment and support services and prevention services across the state. Uh, I suppose my journey there really was uh, I worked as a gambling counsellor. You can probably tell from my accent that I'm not Australian so um, I'll try and enunciate because not everyone speaks Glaswegian Um, but arrived in Australia probably well when was it Um, we arrived 2013 uh, with my wife and and two boys and I trained as a psychotherapist in London worked um, worked with young people in London who had been uh, in residential care and foster care and then came to Australia and worked as a gambling counsellor that was the first job that I got and didn't realise that gambling was a big issue here that it was uh that australians lose more money than anyone else on the planet uh, when it comes to gambling so that competitive spirit really has taken australia to the top of the league table when it comes to losing money at gambling um so ended up working as a gambling counselor wow i didn't realize that australia was number one in terms of gambling yeah 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 so it's pretty much uh i mean we don't have figures for uh places like China where gambling is technically illegal um, right. and, and probably would be higher if we knew but yeah but Australia's about uh, about $1,300 per person is lost every year to gambling. Wow that's crazy <laughs> and do you see in in particular any trends around who is most affected by gambling in terms of age or gender? Yeah, so so a federal government agency called the Australian Institute of Family Studies conducted a, a piece of work last year, um, and they looked at the impact of, of COVID on gambling. Um, but generally, they, they also looked at sort of trends and, and sort of different cohorts and um, age groups. Specifically, it's it's usually sort of 18 to 34-year-olds that, right. that are most affected by gambling. And that's kind of broken down by 
I mean, 18 to 34 year old males in terms of, you know, the, the, the age group that are more that are into specifically one type of product. Um, it's kind of traditionally online and sports betting. Um, and you, you just, I mean, you need to just look at the, you know, the sort of the advertising for online and sport or for sports betting is quite clearly sort of geared towards young males. So, yeah, so it's, it's, that's the kind of age group that's most, most impacted. And you said before that there's been reports or statistics showing that it's about $1,300 lost per person in Australia. This might be a naive question, but is it most common that people would lose money gambling? Um, so most people who gamble don't don't experience any kind of harm. Um, most, uh, most people gamble and they maybe gamble, um, you know, pretty infrequently, like I'm I'm quite happy to say that I, I buy a lottery ticket now and again. I'll maybe put a you know a bet on my favourite soccer team who never wins, so it doesn't make much difference. But but I basically just gamble maybe once or twice a year, and that's kind of similar for most people. Um, so for the people who who gamble more frequently, and that would be people who gamble on on sort of two or three products, so different types of gambling um, products once a week. That if you're if you're doing it that frequently then then you're likely to experience some harm. And in, in Victoria, so we've done a number of studies in Victoria, we know that gambling harm is kind of broken down into three main categories. It's kind of low risk, moderate risk and then sort of high risk really. So people that experience more chronic or severe harms. And the entire quantum of that is about five hundred and fifty thousand people in Victoria that experience some form of harm. But the issue really is that that in terms of relationships and affected others, between uh, about six or seven um, other people are affected by one person's gambling issues. So that kind of spreads quite a wide sort of ripple in the pond, and and that's where it kind of impacts quite quite severely on on relationships or it can do. If you're in a relationship, what are some of the signs that you are getting to that level where it's you're having a negative impact because of gambling? Quite often, I mean, I still work as a gambling counsellor now, so some of the clients that come to me talk about uh, maybe a, a partner starting to be really secretive all of a sudden, uh, maybe hiding things like credit card statements or bank statements, never having any money. And I know that's, you know, having come through COVID, that's that's a problem for a lot of people. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, that there's a gambling issue there, but it can be one of the times. And generally just poor communication, a kind of a, you know, lack of trust can start to develop in people's relationships. At some of the some of the actual harms, I suppose, and gambling sort of takes hold in a relationship can be, you know, anything from conflict to financial strain, emotional distress, you know, intimate partner violence, even, and sort of mental health issues like anxiety and depression. Is there a certain type of story that, in your experience as a gambling counsellor, that you see time and time again? If for that common age group of uh, mid twenties, I suppose. There are a number of different sort of personas, I suppose you would call them really, uh, I suppose journeys through uh, people's gambling experiences, but but one that comes up often, in particular with race betting is, and that would be people betting on, on horses and, and dogs, is, is quite often that's something that takes, that takes hold really early. So quite often you'll hear people talking about being 
taken to the races by a parent or a grandparent, um, maybe uh, remembering their childhood and remembering being sent down to the, the TAB to put a bet on, you know, or um, listening to the races in the background, um, you know, the, it was on the radio. With pokies, with um, electronic gaming machines, it's a little bit different. So quite often, not typical, but, but often what we hear is that people have a big win the first time and that quite often is the, the hook that kind of gets people in so they'll they'll come to gambling counseling and they'll say you, you'll, you'll talk to them about you know how did how did it take hold what's your sort of earliest memory of gambling and they'll they'll talk about oh well the first time i put 20 dollars in a poking machine i won two grand you know so i just thought this is fantastic I'll, I'll give it another go and then there's the other there's the kind of like i mentioned earlier because because australia is uh, uh kind of the 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 biggest loss, biggest loss in the world, is experienced by Australians. Um, then the sort of cultural uh, story that we hear, I think, is quite often that it's almost like a rite of passage. You know that people will go to the casino when they turn eighteen because they can, and so it's it's sort of accepted. In the, in the Australian Institute of Family Studies survey, some of the people that they asked about their gambling experiences talked about, well, it's almost an Australian not to gamble, <laughs> you yeah. know. So it's sort of it's kind of embedded in culture so much that that I think um, those are some of the stories that, that we hear in counselling. And but they're not they're, by no means there's there's no such thing as a as a I don't want to suggest as a typical gambler. In the same way, there's not a typical uh, you know someone who drinks or someone who uses drugs or but you know we're we're so much more than that as humans we're, we're constellations of different parts and so just to refer to somebody as as one thing you know is i think limiting yeah absolutely and so if you're in a relationship with your partner and you feel as though your partner is taking gambling too far or experiencing um, negative impacts from gambling what would be the advice that you'd give for the other person in the relationship it's quite a difficult one because because, like I said, it sort of it seems that, that, that gambling is such an accepted part of life, and it's a regulated, it's a, an activity that's that you're allowed to do. It's not it's not illegal, and it you know it it, it generates a lot of money for for various states and territories. So it's it's kind of accepted, I think. So because of that, it's quite difficult to sort of broach the subject with somebody. But I think generally, guidance that we would give people would be tread very gently. There's a lot of shame and stigma associated with gambling issues. For example, in my, my own practice and the people that I see in counselling, quite often people are more likely to disclose a mental health issue or a drug and alcohol issue than they will a gambling issue. Mm. Um, so that's partly because of the, the sort of stigma associated with it, because it's such a, a sort of readily accepted activity. So um, in terms of broaching the subject with somebody, then quite often it's helpful to maybe talk about someone else. So, you know, to sort of say, well, have you heard about you know, so and so, my friend, who they've got a gambling problem, and their partner found out, and and isn't that terrible? And um, you know, isn't that something that's that's? I mean, I hope we would be able to talk about that. Also, just making the person aware, making your partner aware that that you're not going to judge them. You know, that, that that it's something that actually it's not just about the individual. And I think that's the that's the, the difficulty that we've had when we've talked about gambling over the years is it's always been about an individual choice when actually it's it's a part of an addiction and an addiction um, doesn't mean that you have no individual choice at all but it but it does mean that there's a lot more going on uh, from a, a sort of 
brain perspective. There's a whole lot of sort of there's a whole lot of things triggering in your brain that that sometimes you don't feel you have control of. So I think just being aware maybe when somebody's if you suspect that a partner um, or a close friend is 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 gambling too much, being aware maybe of some of those signs like the secretiveness, like the sort of poor communication and conflict, and then maybe um, not asking them at those times. And maybe waiting until a time when they're a little bit less triggered or aroused in terms of their, their gambling addiction. So yeah, just giving them a bit of space and and making sure that they they know that, that you're not going to judge them. And and sometimes doing that through, through sort of third person stories. Thank you so much, Tony, for everything that you are discussing. We are just going to take a break now to listen to this words from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Tony. For that person that's in the relationship and they're experiencing what they might think is negative impacts from gambling, and you've given us some signs already about uh, what are the red flags that lead to that might be a sign that gambling is having a negative impact, what would you recommend for the person that is experiencing it directly? What should they be looking out for if someone's listening and thinking, oh, Am I just norm, doing a normal amount of gambling? You know, I gamble just as much as my friends. Um, there's a few things that people can do. I mean, there's a there's a helpline that people can call and talk through their own experience, and it's totally confidential. That's the gamblers uh, gambling helpline, which is one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight, and that's also um, available for for people who aren't the gambler. So we, we call them affected others. So basically, um, and that could be a partner, it could be a parent, a child, another family member, but they can talk through. Look, um, from a gambler's perspective, is this is this normal? Is this am I spending you know this amount of money? Is this is this normal? On the website, there's a whole load of self help tools that, that people can go through. They can there's a, a calculator that people can put in their sort of their spend and the amount of times that they they gamble and and it will sort of compare you to the kind of national average and then it will give you an idea of well wait a minute maybe something's not right here. Um, we're working on an app at the moment, so um, unfortunately as a counsellor. I'm the last resort. People people don't want to go and see counsellors. Generally, they you know they don't want to talk about their feelings. They want to do everything else they can first, whether that's self help or whether that's speaking to another another person that's not a counsellor. Then what we've tried to do is replicate that experience in in an app, and so that'll be available later this year, where people can actually go in and, and test. Look, is this normal? Is this the right sort of amount of activity for a for a sort of you know, someone who's gambling normally, and that that's that applies for for affected others as well. So, for, so for a partner, um, they can also use that that line. They can call. We've also got a youth line. So the youth line's for people up to the age of twenty five, and that's one eight hundred two six two three seven six, and that's the same thing. It's exactly the same. It's twenty four seven. It's free, and people can phone up and and basically just bounce some ideas off the off the mental health professional or the counsellor on the other end of the line and say, look. This is what's going on for me. Is this something that you can help with? Can you give me some coping strategies right now? Because quite often they can do that on the phone right away. Um, or c- is there somewhere you can send me on to? And and if they send you on to refer you on to one of our gamblers help services, then that's those. I mean, those, they're all over the state and they're free. They're completely free. You can see somebody for an unlimited number of sessions and, and talk about gambling and all the other issues that are affecting it. Great. And I suppose just to put things into perspective for our audience, are you able to provide some examples of worst case scenarios of how bad this can get or how this can really be a big problem? Yeah, sure. So, so look, I can I can give you some numbers from a study that we've done, um, but I can also just give you some sort of 
I suppose, experiences of obviously de-identified, but, but people who come to counselling, um, it can be as, as mild as, you know, that, that you're not able to do something that you would normally do, for example, go to the cinema once a week or go out for a meal or whatever. Right along the sort of continuum of, of harm, it can be as bad as attempted suicide or, or even completed suicide. Um, so we've, I mean, I've had a number of clients in counselling who, who have talked about feelings of, of suicide, feelings of self-harm. There's a whole load of other issues that are associated with gambling. So like I was saying earlier about people not being identified as, as one thing, that, that we're a sort of, you know, that we're a constellation of different things. Um, there are a whole load of other issues associated with gambling. So mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues, family violence issues, and even divorce or, or separation. So people can get in so deep that they, for example, I've had clients say to me that they weren't sure quite how much they lost over the period of, of five years. It could be somewhere between two million and five million. And that's really just regenerating the money that they've lost and putting it back in and trying to chase the losses, which is quite common. We did a study in, in 2017 called the Social Costs of Gambling in Victoria um, study, and, and that estimated that just in the state of Victoria, um, over the course of one year, the cost of gambling to the community was $7 billion. And the biggest cost was in family and relationships. So you know, it was broken down sort of financial costs and emotional distress and costs to the, the government and things like that. But the largest single cost was 2.2 billion and that's to family and relationships. And that sort of breaks down like, you know, for example, divorce and separation, the cost of that was about $24 million. Emotional cost of divorce and separation just to the gambler was over 100 million. The emotional cost of uh, divorce or separation to, to a partner was about 617 million. And that's sort of, the way that that's calculated is, is through the emotional distress that that, cost, that causes people. And so all of those other issues I was talking about, like drug and alcohol issues or mental health issues, people often develop them as a result of, of gambling issues or, or vice versa. If your partner's gambling, then quite often if you can't talk about it with them, then then that's one of the things that, that people rely on is, um, well, I'll go out and have a glass of wine with my friends um, or I'll withdraw into myself and, and not, you know, I'll sort of internalise some of the conflict that's going on in my relationship. And so those those coping strategies all have costs and they're, they're sort of estimated in this report. So 7 billion was the number they came up with, which is pretty shocking, I think. Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny because when I've had conversations with people about what I'm doing uh, or whether they invest, sometimes they might say, oh, investing on the stock market is just like gambling. Do you have a, an opinion on that? Look, I think it's uh, it, obviously it's, it depends on the individual circumstance. I can only speak personally. Uh, my dad died in about what, 2015 um, and just a year or so before he died, he actually... Um, he wasn't particularly wealthy, he didn't have a lot of money, but but he spent quite a bit of money investing in shares. And the language that he used to use, and he was never a gambler, but the language that he used to use was uh, taking a punt or um, having a gamble. Uh, it might pay off, it might not. I think generally that, you know, if you look at sort of terminology around gambling and you look at definitions of gambling, that, that anything that... that Anything where there is a, a uncertainty about the outcome, uh, but which carries a, a possibility of a financial gain or loss, um, then it, that kind of comes under the banner of, of gambling, 
essentially. So personally, I would say yes. I would say that investing in the stock market is like gambling because despite the fact that you may feel that you know what the outcome will be, that's often what I hear in counselling from people um, standing at a racetrack or holding a lottery ticket in their hand or choosing their favourite poking machine on a Tuesday night in the particular venue that they like to go to, that they feel that they have some uh, form of control or understanding over what the outcome will be. And then sometimes that that does happen. But I think it's important to remember that most gambling is a game of chance and the stock market can't really be controlled by individuals other than, you know, (laughs) particularly wealthy individuals that most of us don't have any contact with. But, you know, your average Joe, I think, really doesn't have much influence over whether or not Lockheed Martin stocks plummet or rise. So for me, it does feel like a bit of a punt and it feels like it feels like a form of gambling. I've had clients who've come to me because of um, stock market uh, gambling. Well, they've, they've defined it as stock market gambling um, and they've come to me um, saying, look, I, I have a gambling issue. And that's been the that's been the issue they've had is just stock market. Yeah, I identify with that a lot because since I've started investing, I'm, I really look forward to getting my pay come in and then take take a certain amount of that out and sometimes oh I'm tempted to put a bit more in or if a stock's going well oh I just want to put a bit more money in it's just an interesting it's an interesting angle I think that as you say you don't have control over the outcome so how is it different um I think what the equity mates team might say is there's there's certain ways of investing that's a bit more safer like investing in ETFs or whole index shares with stock markets, uh, I think it would be the same advice that I would give to anybody. It would be don't don't spend more or, or gamble more than you can afford to lose. That's the main the main piece of advice that you can give to anybody, whether they're spending money on footy tipping or whether they're spending money on going to the races at uh, Melbourne Cup Day or going down to the pokies or whatever, going to the casino. It's the same with with investing in the stock market. If you if you invest more than you actually are comfortable with losing then yeah that's that's maybe where you're going wrong (laughs) yeah that's the answer isn't it thanks so much tony for coming on the show and speaking so openly to us particularly about your family and your personal situation i always find it really interesting and adds a level of depth and understanding to our conversations when guests speak openly and particularly when they refer back to their family so thanks a lot for that tony So some of the signs that you can look for if you think that investing or gambling is becoming an addiction is if there's missing money or household valuables going missing, you can look for these signs in your partner. If you're borrowing money, so you're taking on debt or using money that's loaned, so credit cards, having multiple loans, unpaid bills, lack of food and household essentials, withdrawing from family or work, changes in personality or mood, conflict with others. And this is from Health Direct Government, Australian government website. Uh, Look, I personally haven't experienced that with investing in shares, but there was a point where I was like, okay, maybe I can just cut back a bit and have more of a buffer just to be responsible and have, you know, I think maybe the pandemic did really put things in perspective for me. I was like, look, I might not have a job next week. You know, thankfully and luckily I came through that employed that I think it's really important to have a buffer or emergency savings somewhere. So anyway. And so while you're looking out for gambling 
addiction in your partner and the signs of that. We have covered through what signs you can look for in someone else, but not really within yourself. Some of the signs that you can look for in yourself, they're very similar signs, but from this perspective that you're looking at yourself and thinking, hmm, do I have a gambling addiction? Am I am I investing to the point where it's becoming unhealthy? Am I gambling at the tab or on the footy or at the races too much? Some of the signs are constant thoughts about gambling, irritability or restlessness if you try to stop gambling. So pulling away from it and seeing how you respond might be a good way to check. Repeated or unsuccessful attempts to stop or rein in gambling. Um, Maybe if someone in your family or a loved one reaches out to you and suggests that maybe that's a concern that they have, uh, I would listen to them carefully. Obviously lying or covering up using gambling as a coping mechanism. So that goes back to one of our first episodes that we had about red flags and using unhealthy methods as a way to cope with other feelings or experiences in your life. I'm sure there's a lot more, but that's just some aspects that you can think of to think, hmm, I'm listening to this. Maybe I do have a gambling problem. And to know that in Australia, it's very, very common. So it's not unlikely that you know someone or you are someone who does gamble quite a bit. As we've covered off some sort of signs that you can look out for if you if this is you or you've got someone in your life that is sort of showing these signs, then there are a few people you can reach out to. And so one of these people is Gambler's Help, which you can get at 1800-858-858. Or you can reach out to Lifeline at 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue at 1300 That's it for this episode of Meet, Pay, Love. We hope you learned a little bit more about what gambling looks like. But if this episode brought up anything for you that you'd like to discuss with us, feel free to reach out to us at mpl at equitymates.com and you can rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to your podcast on. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Meet, Pay, Love is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Meet, Pay, Love are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the EquityMates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, EquityMates Media and the hosts of Meet, Pay, Love acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.